Are you bored living a mediocre life? We were too, and we know how to change that. Each week, we'll leave our comfort zones to explore a new topic, then step onto our soapboxes, a safe space to sound off on our latest adventure. Come explore with us. All opinions are welcome. This is a mindset. This is a lifestyle. This is Siren Soapbox. Hello, fellow explorers. Welcome to Siren Soapbox. Thank you for diving in and exploring with us. We're on a mission to explore beyond comfort zones because that is where growth takes place. We believe that exploration is for everyone. It can take place anywhere, no matter your location or situation. And we've made it even easier to explore. Check out pre-dive episode 105 and the description for the links to follow along on all of our journeys in December. So many ways to explore. Pick one today and experience life outside your comfort zone. Play is so important. According to CNN's Why Adults Should Play Too article, play helps us to connect with other people because we're open in a way that allows them to feel safe. You decrease stress and inflammation and many improve vascular health. And play also helps you be more productive. According to the sirens, play is fun and helps us take those first steps outside comfort zones. Play comes so naturally to children and yet somewhere along the way, we don't make it a priority and eventually aren't as good at the art of play as we used to be. Is it because of society's hustle culture? Are adults afraid to look silly? Or do we just give up because of perfectionism? Today, we're here to find the answer to those questions and more with the help of playful humans. On their site, it says, adulting is hard. It is easy to lose your way, but you can beat burnout and avoid the midlife crisis. Your imagination, creativity, humor, spontaneity, sociability, and sense of playfulness are still there. They just need to be found and awakened. Take our personality quiz to find your playful side again. And that's just what the sirens did. For our soapboxes tonight, we're gonna find out what each of our playful personalities are, if we have ever had a time in our life where we didn't play, what we did to get out of the rut, and just like Mike does on the Playful Human podcast, we're going to start our soapbox with a joke. If at any time the conversation gets too intense, this safe word is... Mango. 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 <laughs> I swear you guys make that more ridiculous every time. First up on our soapbox is Murph. So we're supposed to talk about a time in our lives when we weren't very playful and how that affected us, but I can't actually come up with a time when that's true, except for when I'm experiencing some lows. And during those dark times, everything feels like work and nothing feels like play. But I have found that playing and laughing are two very good ways to help get me out of those feelings for sure. Mostly my life is filled with time for play. I was always a member of the PTO or PTA because that's the organization that brought fun to the kids at school. I often refer to them as the fun committee. And I've been a member of the Employee Engagement Task Force in my department at work ever since I started my job six years ago. And again, we're the fun committee. I recently did a core values exercise with my mentor at work and very high on my list of core values is fun. I even try to incorporate play with my chores, have some music blasting and a sing-along playlist. I even put chores on a list on the fridge and we try to make it a competition to see who can get their chores done first. So anything could be a game. My favorite way to play is doing anything that gets me out of the house. And I especially love anything that gets me in the water. So you will all be shocked to hear this, but my absolute favorite way to play is scuba diving. That's when I'm in my happy place. Flying, breathing underwater, playing, it's amazing. So I took the playful type quiz and I am 27% the storyteller play type. And that might seem like a low score, but it was my highest one, followed by the Joker at 18%. And that all makes sense to me. I love telling a story, even though I'm not the best storyteller. Something about being the center of attention that really lights my fire. I'm sure it's a middle child thing. So Mike Montague, he always kicks off his podcast, Playful Humans, with a joke. So here is my joke in honor of his podcast. Where does a snowman keep his wallet? Where? 
in a, in a snowbank. hey sarah do you uh know any jokes about snails um yeah i've got a great joke about a snail um it also works with a turtle does everybody want to hear it yes yeah you see say no (laughs) say no (laughs) it's a very long joke so maybe we'll save it for the end of the podcast otherwise uh the podcast will be over (laughs) <laughs> anyway, um, how about these ones? I ate a clock yesterday. It was very time consuming. <laughs> um, <laughs> what kind of exercise do lazy people do? Diddly uh. squats. <laughs> yeah. What you call a pony with a cough? A little horse. <laughs> Why did Eminem go to school? He wanted to be a smarty. Mm. What did mm. one traffic light say to the other? Stop looking at me. I'm changing. <laughs> uh, what do you call bears with no ears? B. All right. I'll I'll do it. All right. I got to say that I feel a little bit like a fraud telling all these jokes. Because when I took the playful personality quiz, I was only 8% the joker. But the description of the joker suggested that I can increase the fun in my life by collecting jokes, making more free time for shenanigans, or even trying an open mic night. So... Am I on candid camera or something? Did Bill Cole actually write that description? I hope I've made him proud with my opening jokes. And I'm sorry I didn't tell the turtle joke yet. But seriously, my playful personality results were pretty interesting. It seems I'm a little bit of everything. I'm 15% the explorer. True. I love travel and finding new places and doing new things. I'm 15% the director, which is spot on as I tell everyone what to do at work. I'm also 15% each, the collector, deep thinker, and gamer. I sort of don't get the collectors. I'm currently trying very hard not to just add stuff to our home, but maybe the fact that I'm having to work on that makes it a little bit true. To be honest, I was a little hurt by the tiny 8% the athlete. My daily 4.15 a.m. Orange Theory alarm begs to differ. So what is my overall impression of my playful personality quiz? Clearly, I am a very well-rounded, fun human, and that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. I've had a ton of fun preparing for this episode. I've listened to several episodes of Mike's podcast, and I do love how he starts each episode with jokes. It makes it a lot of fun. He's had some pretty interesting guests and topics. I joined the Playful Humans Club, and I've had a couple of conversations in there already. Um, I sure haven't explored it, though, and I'm looking forward to spending more time doing that. As far as a time when I wasn't playful, I don't know. I think I'm struggling a little bit with separating the idea of not being playful with being unhappy. So I'm not quite sure how to answer that question. I do know that it's pretty easy to be playful when you live with a professional professional comedian like Bill. So Jess, can you tell me a joke? Hey, Sirens. What did the fish say when it ran into a wall? Glub. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I love any sort of dad joke, so I am... Very down for puns. So this was a fun challenge. After reading the Playful Humans website and listening to a couple podcasts, I was curious to do the quiz. And apparently my playful personality type is split personalities because I was a three-way tie at 22% the explorer, the director, and the deep thinker. I was surprised by the director play type because I don't really enjoy planning get-togethers. I love getting together with small groups and have a good quality conversation, but I don't really enjoy planning it. The deep thinker play type makes sense. Not that I really like having philosophical conversations, but I do like talking to people about their lives and getting to know them deeper. The explorer play type makes perfect sense because I'm still exploring my new island with Ben nearly every weekend. And I especially like that that was one of my top ones. I especially like Playful Human's application of play in the workplace. I try to keep play and fun active on my team because daily life is stressful enough. Anything that can be done to help is a good thing in my book. It was hard to be fun this time last year when I was all alone at Christmas and the holidays on a brand new island where I didn't know anybody and my husband was halfway around the world. 
So that time wasn't really fun, even though I was in my happy place. I just love Christmas, and it was really hard to not have anybody with me. I look forward to our conversation today about how we can keep play active and in the forefront. And I'm definitely in a much more playful mood this time around Christmas. Elsie, was it hard to come up with a joke for you? <laughs> Why is creating a single joke so much harder than writing a five minutes of stand-up comedy? It was fun to start off with. And then when it stopped being fun, I turned to Google and found this one on upjoke.com. Why do drones get so many pictures of mermaids? Hmm. Why? I don't know. Because they're aerial photographers. (laughs) 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 So I'm a drone photographer. I had to go with the siren drone joke. I absolutely had a time when I was, as our show opening says, bored and leading a mediocre life. I still remember the day that I was driving to work thinking I had it all, thanking God, but also wondering why in the world I wasn't happier. And now I'm kind of wondering if I was unhappy because I was like what Sarah was saying with the unhappy or not playing. I don't know. But I do know I was working hard all the time and I was doing all the right things. What was I doing wrong? I used to think it was fun to go to work all the time, and I'd even go out with people from work and friends from work, and then we'd talk about work. I didn't even enjoy 75% of what I was doing. It felt never-ending and unfulfilling, and I thought if I worked harder, I'd get happier. Very rarely did I take the time to play, and the only time that I did was when I traveled. In fact, it was travel and taking an interpreter class in Chicago that made me reevaluate my career. The class teaches all about play and creative ways to engage with guests at attractions. So my fix, I went part-time and then the world shut down. That gave me time to realize I need to quit. I started doing things where I could work and play. It wasn't a seamless transition. I spent a lot of time on my kayak, sitting in nature and taking pictures to help center me. In fact, lately I find I'm doing a ton of work and I've been battling burnout. And it has been difficult to enjoy the fun parts of the podcast and painting lately because everything is so busy. My remedy for that is in two weeks, I'll be going on a vacation and I'll be spending lots of time in or on the water to help recharge. For quick fixes, I carry dice and cards in my purse. And for the holidays, my Facebook crew can play along on our Elf on the Shelf movie edition that we play every year. No surprise here, my playful personality is 30% Explorer. What about you, TC? I'm going to start with my jokes. What do you get if you cross a turtle and a porcupine? I don't know. Slow poke. (laughs) (laughs) And here's a slightly longer one. An MIT linguistics professor was lecturing his class the other day. In English, he said, a double negative forms a positive. However, in some languages, such as Russian, a double negative remains a negative. But there isn't a single language, not one, in which a double positive can express a negative. A voice from the back of the room piped up, yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) I am a playful human, so I was pretty excited about exploring this topic. Speaking of exploring, my top result was... The Explorer with 29%, followed by the director with 17%. I'm not surprised by either of those results. I have been a playful human most of my life. There may be days that I feel slightly more introverted, maybe less playful, but there hasn't ever been a time in my life that I was less playful. I feel like it's okay to have the occasional less playful feeling day. How do I play? I carry games in my purse with me everywhere I go. At a minimum, a deck of cards, dice, dominoes, and a frisbee. If I have spare time, I play. I am a believer in fun. By this, I mean that I think having fun is one of the most important things you can do. In one of the episodes of Playful Humans, Mike compares life to a Google search algorithm. If you put in bad news, you're going to get bad news. If you put in good news, you're going to get good news out of it. Your brain chooses to see and give you more of what you're looking for, and so does life. 
And this, in a nutshell, is how I live my life. I'm very careful about what I read, what I watch, what I listen to, and who I spend the majority of my time with. I'm also careful about what I say to myself, my thoughts, my self-talk. I realize that if I tell myself that I dread something, I have just decreased my chances of enjoying some moments of my life. Why would I do that? My goal is to enjoy as many moments of my life as I possibly can. And enjoying moments is a practice that gets more natural over time. It's something you can train yourself to do, and it's worth it. If you are a playful human looking for a community of other playful humans, you need to meet Mike Montague, founder of the Playful Humans online community. Mike is a game show host, public speaker, podcaster, and writer at Playful Humans. He's been a radio DJ, karaoke host, virtual game show host, MC, and DJ for live events, including openings for Billy Idol, Frankie Valley, and MC at Toby Keith's Bar and Grill. Now that sounds like a lot of fun. Playful Humans is a community designed to help the burned out and bored get re-energized and engaged with life. His mission is to help adults discover the power of playing for a living and how to avoid a midlife crisis. We Sirens are a pretty playful group of girls, and so we are very excited to get to know Mike Montague tonight. Sirens, please help me welcome Mike Montague to this episode of Siren Soapbox. Welcome to the show, Mike. Hello, ladies. I'm wondering how many mangoes we got in the comments during those dad jokes, but we'll. Do I get to share mine first? Yeah, well, I was going to ask. We've all told our playful personality types, so I'm curious what your playful type is. Uh, well, mine came out as director as well. And I have a fun game for you. We can all guess what you think the most common one is. So, um, I'll tell a joke while we're waiting, but there are 10 different playful ideas. So I know, uh, one of you mentioned, you know, even your top one might not be very high in percentage wise, but out of 10, you know, 20% would be twice as likely as, as the average there. Uh, so it could be joker, athlete, explorer, competitor, director, collector, creator, storyteller, deep thinker, or gamer. Out of all of those, what do you feel like in the the general population? I, I've done surveyed hundreds of people. have taken the quiz now. If we were playing Family Feud, what would be the number one answer? What do you think, ladies? Gamer. I was going to say gamer, too. I was not going to say gamer. I was going to say um, explorer. Collector. Mm, right. That's a good answer. Gamer too? Uh, it could be that I've only surveyed uh, Gen Xers and, and baby boomers uh, and stuff. But uh, athlete came in at number one. A lot of wow. people... I think that is not surprising to me that people equate play with sports these days and sometimes they're not thinking naturally about being playful as doing a puzzle or a video game uh, as play, even though we would we would say that uh, a lot. Uh, Explorer was number two, and it could be just because, uh, you know, four of you pushed it up there. Uh, 19% <laughs> Joker, uh, 18% Deep Thinker was number four and Director is number five. That's the one I resonate with it, it the most, because as you mentioned, with like as a DJ, a karaoke host. I'm not actually the star of the show. I'm facilitating fun for other people. So when I'm, I'm hosting a game show, it's really about the contestants and putting on a good time for them, not really anything that that I'm doing for myself. And I do like hosting parties and having fun for other people too. And just like the podcast, I, I have two podcasts where I interview other people and try and produce fun for, for the audience and stuff there. Uh, I didn't get my joke in though. Last one. What did the bra say to the hat? You go on ahead. I'm going to give these two a lift. <laughs> like that one. Oh, that's amazing. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> there are plenty of, of good ones. I'm up over like uh, 200 fake sponsors and, and dad jokes now with the episodes of the Playful Humans podcast. <laughs> so they were all Googled for sure. You guys, Explorer did not come up on my list of playful types at all. Hmm. Whoa. I know. 
I collector know. did not surprised. come up on mine. Oh, that didn't come up on mm-hmm. mine either. That's the other one I was missing. I was like, what's the other one? Collector. That's a shock, TC. Collectors are, are interesting, I think, because it is fun for them. It's kind of like hide and go seek, right? They're looking for mm-hmm. that magic puzzle piece that fits their collection, or they like to be completists, or uh, maybe it's just nerding out on something. So I have a ton of Lego behind me here, and I feel like it starts to become a collection whenever you nerd out on any type of topic. So it could be books that you enjoy reading and collecting and you're addicted to self-help books or poems or your movie and music collections and, and stuff. I see that as a very popular way that people find to kind of really make themselves truly happy rather than just um, some of the fake things these days that we think make us happy, but we're just kind of using and throwing away. It's temporary satisfaction, but anything that we hold on to like that, I feel like brings more long-term happiness to us. Yeah, that's interesting. Mike, can you describe for us the moment when you realized that there was not enough play in your life? And then how did you decide to get out of your comfort zone and dive into creating Playful Humans? Yeah, I was excited to share that when I was listening to all of yours. I appreciate you being vulnerable and, and sharing it with everybody too. For me, there were kind of three moments. I've always been very playful. I was lucky. I, I blame it on my grandma. Grandma Lynn uh, is awesome. She's 93 now. She still cracks us up every time we go and visit her. The nurses come in and, in her home. You know, she's making jokes. They're laughing and, and stuff. And she introduced me to like Monty Python and we would uh, write stories or we would use her tape recorder to to do different shows and performances and while she was babysitting and then our parents would come home and we'd play them for them or read our stories and and stuff so I feel like naturally I'm on the pretty happy positive end of the spectrum but there are a few times in my my life one was in college just had a really bad semester everything you could think of that could go horribly wrong did uh my girlfriend over the summer break got pregnant by another guy, uh, a fraternity mm. brother of mine had a heart attack and died on his 21st birthday. Oh my gosh. Um, he took a nap in the afternoon and just didn't wake up. And then that kind of caused classes to spiral out of words. Cause I missed midterms, like going to the funeral and stuff and was out of it. So I failed out of school and it just was not going well at all. And it felt like I had really lost my momentum there and, mm-hmm. and was kind of trying to reconnect of what it actually meant or or how I could get myself back on track. And um, the thing that made me recognize that there was I, I was playing with my friends in the backyard during the summer. And um, we just had one of those days that it like reminded me of a kid, I got that feeling where like your inhibitions drop, you just get those positive hormones going. And it was like, man, it had been like months since I had felt like that. And just reminding me what it feels like to have fun, I feel like is my mission now for other people with playful humans is I want to remind them that like, it doesn't have to be serious all the time. It doesn't have to be high pressure, even if just for five minutes, you get that, you know, uh, hormone transfer and those good vibes and that feeling back and you get to laugh out loud, that can be worth it. That can remind you and get you going back the other way. But because a couple of you mentioned different things, I want to mention two other times. Once I was on the radio, I was Romeo on Mix 93.3 here in (laughs) Kansas City, and I worked overnights uh, for a year. It was midnight to 5.30 a.m., and it was miserable. Like I did not like the job at all. I thought it was something that I would really enjoy, but I was exhausted the entire year, you know, it was it, overnights as drunk people or people working third shift at like hospitals that, that were the only listeners. And it was just really tough. And I struggled to maintain my other relationships during the day and, and stuff. It's really hard to have a, you know, an interesting date or anything. If you have to, you know, wrap it up or start at five 30 in the morning or anything, right. it's just really challenging. And it just super burnt me out. And I had to, to find a way to, get back to energy. And and that was more physical, I think, for me than emotional. And then in the pandemic, it was kind of a combination of all of the above. So I was already working on this project and, and being creative and sharing my passion with other people. And um, 
in the pandemic, I really struggled because I felt like I had a pretty good thing going, but all of that fun resource stuff was the stuff that got sucked out. I was already working remotely from home, so I could keep working, but I couldn't get out of the house to go see people or I couldn't travel and do my entertainment stuff on stage and actually hear people laugh and get feedback or um, connect with human beings or do any of that kind of exploration and, and social work of like, you know, my director personality, I couldn't put on events for other people. And I, I really struggled with that. And it was starting the game shows and doing virtual game shows in the end of 2020 for holiday parties, where I really kind of cracked that code and got myself back on track. Hmm. But I loved all of your suggestions too. I wanted to add, I do what you do. I have uh, playing cards here on my desk. I have a crazy dice that uh, is instead of numbers, it has pictures. I have Legos and balls and toys and uh, fun questions. If we want to play more family feud, I just want to surround <laughs> myself with things that remind me to kind of take action on that inner child and, and that voice that, that really wants to play. It's just sometimes that voice is a whisper and like your to-do list is uh, a megaphone or somebody yelling at you. We went to New York a couple weekends ago and we were going through security at the airport. And I was like, you got everything out of your pockets, Mark? And he's like, everything except this little tiny dice. <laughs> he brought a die or a dice, however you say it. He said, in case we have to make any decisions and we can't decide which is which, we'll use the dice to decide. I love that about him. <laughs> That's funny. So great. So did you? We never used it. Mm -hmm. Man, I mean, we, very decisive. <laughs> we, we were very decisive. We explored the entire <laughs> weekend. It was so much fun. Well, why do you think that adults forget to play, Mike? I think you hit on a bunch of them in the opening. But for me, there are a lot of things that I call, you know, like, the party poopers or the the fun killers, right? I, I think the biggest one that we see is um, when we start getting self-conscious of other people. So most people have genius levels of creativity before puberty. Then when we start worrying about what other people think and, and stuff, we start carving off those edges. We stop being silly. We want to impress other people and we start trying to mold ourselves in what we think we should be. Uh, we also see that with sports. A lot of research has been done that kids start giving up on uh, sports for fun and they feel like they have to be competitive around the age like 13. And that if you want to get a college scholarship, you have to start getting on competitive teams and taking it way too seriously. And you turn it into a job rather than playing for fun. And I think those are the two big ones for me. But the third one, I think, is society, that we have this hustle culture myth that we have to grind and work hard and it's not worth anything if it's easy. And I found the exact opposite to be true. The more that I'm unique, the more valuable I am, not the more that I can fit in and color inside the lines and all of our, our school systems and jobs and uh society want us to fit into boxes so that they can market to us and that uh, it's safe and where they don't have to think about us too hard. But the more unique we are and the more creative we are, the more interesting we are to other people and the more fun we can have. And it, it, we actually need more people now to color outside the lines than we do people to color inside the lines because robots and computers can fill in stuff inside the lines. You know, we need somebody to redraw the lines in the first place. And I think that's really what people miss is that most of our culture was set up about 100, 120 years ago when we needed people to be machines because we didn't have machines. So we need somebody to be the factory machine to put one part to another. And we needed humans to fit into certain sizes and boxes because we could only produce a certain number of sizes and boxes. And so anything outside the, the lines didn't fit what we were capable of producing, but that world changed and our educational system and our, our culture hasn't caught up to that yet. That robots can program, computers can do the tasks better and faster than humans and they don't uh, break down, they don't have emotional needs, but now 
we need humans to be humans. We need people to process information and come up with creative solutions. We need people to connect with other human beings and have interesting conversations like we are today. And that's a totally different world than what most of our, our society was set up for. I hope I didn't go too, you know, conspiracy theory, uh, <laughs> on you, but I, I really, really believe that. And maybe you are, because I'm like, ooh, I completely agree with all this. And I'm the conspiracy theorist. I think, in the group. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Oh, that makes total sense. So somebody that's listening to us right now and they're wondering, am I missing play in my life? What are, what would that look like? What are some symptoms that play might be missing? I think, yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I just made another quiz for you all to take uh, too. It's a, a burnout quiz, but I think there's, there's a few things. Like if you're working too hard, there is a thing there's three types of work. Let me start there. Uh, there's some work that the more you do it, the more results that you have. So this is the factory type work, right? Like if I'm putting Legos together, the only way to get more Legos together is to do more work. It's kind of time plus effort equals results. And the, the longer you do it and the more Legos you put together, the better results you have. But there's another type of work that's diminishing returns, that the more you do it, you get slightly better results rather than the same amount of effort that you put in. So the third Lego block is equal to as much work as the second Lego block. But if you're doing something else like, uh, let's say, creative writing, if you're creative writing, more words don't necessarily solve your problem, right? The more you write, the story doesn't necessarily get better. At some point, there's a, a an amount of diminishing returns. If you put 65 hours into an essay, it's not 65 times better than if you wrote it in one hour. So it's sort of uh, a different type of work. And the third one is the backwards law. And these are the ones that I really love. This is what I geek out on. Is some things, the less effort you put in, the better you do with it. So I think about things like making somebody fall in love with you, or when you try and fall asleep, the harder you try to fall asleep, the less likely <laughs> you are to fall asleep, right? So more effort and time does not help that cause. What you actually need to do is let go. And I think that's what a lot of people are, are missing there. Um, I work with salespeople a lot, and that's a really good one, right? That, that you don't necessarily buy more from a pushier salesperson that's working harder <laughs> and trying to convince you twice as hard. You generally trust and work with the salesperson who is less, who's pulling away from you, who isn't trying to push you any, into anything. Then you can move towards them. It's kind of more attractive. You're like, oh, well, they must really have a good product if they don't need to convince me on it, or they're not trying to hype it up and, and stuff. They must really be confident about what they're doing. And so I say all of that to say that if you're finding yourself in a job where you're getting diminishing returns or it's not equaling what you think it should, that's a pretty good trigger to look at one of those three frameworks and say, like, am I trying to solve a creative problem with hard work <laughs> or am I trying to solve a backwards problem with more effort? Those aren't going to work. Those are going to burn you out. And you're just if you're trying to work more than 65 hours a week. It's been shown that after six weeks, you slow down and you're so burnt out that you actually produce less than if you had just worked 40 hours a week for those six weeks. Mm -hmm. So that's an amazing stat that I think most people need to know and look at their life is be like, well, what if I actually got sleep? If I felt rested, if I disconnected and recharged and I filled my brain with other creative ideas and I went out and had fun and then I came back to the task, would I be better at it or would I be worse at it? And I think most of the time in our life, you would say, oh, I would be better if I was rested, felt good, I got exercise, and then I came back and did the job uh, again. Does that make sense? Do you all agree with that? Yeah, I was listening to one of your episodes, and I, I was trying to figure out which one, but I can't. Um, you were talking to some guy, and you were you guys were both talking about sort of the same thing. Like, it, you, he said that he feels more productive when he's when he's putting in like small bursts of energy and then taking time to play and reset and then kind of get back at it. But if you just keep hammering at it, it's really not very productive and it doesn't yeah. feel good. 
I think that's the big part is I think it's becoming more self-aware LZ too, that that, um, it's checking in with yourself. Like, is your life getting better or is it getting progressively worse? You know, if you feel like, um, you're not making tomorrow easier on yourself, then you probably have something that you're sacrificing, uh, that for, um, you should theoretically be getting easier, better, learning more, having more fun, like getting better at life as you go along, not finding more and tougher and harder uh, challenges per se. Do you think that there's ever a time where play is not appropriate? Ooh, that's one of my favorite questions. In general, I don't think so. Um, I've looked into a ton of this research and most of it says like, there's not a whole lot of negative side effects. There may be inappropriate jokes. There may be times, um, to not laugh. Um, but I don't, I think that's more societal than it is actual, uh, problem. I I've been in really difficult situations and like I, uh, did a karaoke show on the night of nine 11 uh, and people had been watching CNN all day long and we were all freaked out. And at 9 PM after this was like 9 AM central, we turned the TV off and I start playing music and we start singing along. And it was one of the most fun energy nights. Like people needed that release and it really changed the energy in the room for everybody in a, that I, in a way that I won't forget. And I think I've seen the same thing. I would love to hear your all's uh, opinion on it. But at funerals and, and stuff, I remember um, in high school when one of my uh, friend's mothers passed away in a, a car accident. And after the funeral outside, we were, you know, like playing with the basketball and uh, just connecting with him and, and laughing. And it really felt like it was a special moment that, that again, kind of changed the energy from bad to good. So I have a hard time really thinking of when play wouldn't be appropriate or at least a playful mindset towards things. What do you all think? I I've always said I want my funeral to be a party. So yeah, for sure. Like I don't really even want the funeral part of it. I just want like the, the after party with food and booze. Same. Take you know, that down. You ladies. Don't, you don't get to eat and drink at that party. Jess, you realize that? Yeah, but as, those are things I'm passionate about. So I I'm want to make sure you realize. <laughs> Great answer. No, I com I completely agree with that. And when as I sit there and try to think of examples that somebody might say fun is not appropriate in this situation, I feel like it's one of those we should be a certain way type of scenarios. And I tend to push back on those things if if we're feeling like we should behave a certain way during a certain time, then that's probably not completely genuine or authentic to being who you are as a human and as your own unique individual human. So I think, no, there's not a time that fun is not appropriate. There were so many negatives in that sentence. <laughs> I think it turned it positive. <laughs> <laughs> I think you did. Uh, and you made me think of one other one that comes up a, a lot here when we have this discussion, which is like, uh, think about like a brain surgeon or a heart surgeon. You're like, well, I wouldn't want them playing around. And you think, okay, well, yes, I don't necessarily want them experimenting on me when there's life or death consequences, but I do want that person to be playful. I don't want mm -hmm. them stressed out, burned out and like bored at a rote job either. I want them fully engaged and alive in what they're doing. And that's really what I mean by playful and bringing a playful spirit. And I'm hoping they are feeling loose enough and confident enough to make jokes before and after, or even during is, is that that's what helps them do their best work. And so I think sometimes people miss uh, and mix up playfulness with silliness or irrelevance and, mm -hmm. and stuff. So I love Steve Martin. I don't want my, um, surgeon to be wearing an arrow through his head with you know bunny ears on and stuff sure mm -hmm. i get that but my favorite doctors are the ones that have a sense of humor right the, they're not um stressing themselves out and, and killing themselves by by thinking that every situation is life and death 
That's all right. We always get you off to sleep before the surgeon comes in with that hat on. So it's fine. <laughs> there you go. We make sure the patient's asleep before that. And uh, speaking as someone who's uh, in the OR a lot, uh, yeah, everybody is so serious all the time. We are never making jokes about the patient <laughs> at all. Never. <laughs> never. Just wanted to put that out there. Actually, I just saw a Jimmy Fallon clip and Adam Sandler was on. He just had a hip replaced and his wife was very concerned that they would remove the wrong hip. So on his right hip, his wife and Sharpie wrote no. And when he woke up, there was an arrow pointing to his groin that the doctors put there. I don't know how true that is. But that's what it's <laughs> yeah, but, you know, surgeons have to put their initials on there. I sure hope that he wasn't Nate Oliver because then they'd have been operating on that hip. Uh, that's true. It was a it was a funny story. Uh oh, that would suck. <laughs> when Tracy had um, her collarbone operated on, the surgeon came in and initialed it, and then every one of us in the room initialed it as well. And and strangers walking past my yeah. room, I she called was like, "Hey, in come in here! <laughs> you put your initials on my." Shirt. So it was covered with initials. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Feel like we need that picture oh we have it I bet oh Tracy good <laughs> I all right i, I heard pictures but my mom i remember my mom drawing like they they asked her to mark which side i had to have surgery on when i it was either my ankle or one of my lump removals i don't remember but my mom like was supposed to put some sort of mark on the right one and then she also like ended up drawing pictures on me as well and they were just like well that works thanks i think that's a great <laughs> example of what we're talking about though is all of those things are like signing a cast is a playful way to make a bad thing into a good thing right that with it these are the kind of things that i'm trying to preach to people is it's not just physical injury it can be emotional and spiritual ones too or just for your health when you take something that's hard work and you're pressing at and you add a playful spin to it and you make a game out of it, whether it's, you know, chores with your kids or, or something else, if you start keeping score or you start making jokes about it, it creates it into a more fluid situation. And it has to do with our, our brains a lot that when we're overstressed, our brain locks down on what is the one right answer that will allow us to survive and it doesn't think creatively about what are all the other possible options or which one would make us feel happiest and healthiest. It just says, just survive. Yeah. But when you're not stressed, there's a good positive form of stress called eustress that is when you're in a good, happy, productive flow state, you start seeing creative solutions around problems. You start um, being more open to other people and ideas in a way that's flexible and it allows for growth and it allows for positive advancement of things rather than forcing things through and, and working hard and pushing and grinding uh, to get to the next spot. So your, your job is play. How do you prevent getting stressed out and burnout at your job? It's a good question because I don't know what you do when you get burnout on play, but I have been there Certainly in some days we're all like record two podcasts, host two game shows, and then do a public speaking event or a keynote at night and I'll just be exhausted. So I found for me, it's about energy management that if I'm doing too much of that, I probably need to take a break the next day and, and physically rest or mentally rest, just read and, and get back to center. But I think I kind of see it as like, a plus one, a minus one, and a neutral. So I'm a big fan of mindfulness and meditation to get back to a neutral space. But I think you also need some of those things that get you back into a positive. And so I start looking at some of these other play personalities. If if I'm burnt out on being a joker or something, maybe I need to go solve a puzzle or do some deep thinking stuff like like reading or something that I enjoy or having an individual conversation that that's meaningful and connecting with one person instead of a huge audience. And I think the opposite is also true for me. So if I spend too much time writing and creating and deep thinking focus, it's like, oh, I just need to go be silly and play with my friends and family or my nieces and nephews and and let go of all this hard work and, and deep thinking that I was doing with too much focus. 
Hmm. I like that. Slightly different question. What's your favorite thing about doing a podcast? Ah, I don't know if I've had that one before. I've said I had two podcasts. One's been going for seven years. It's over 500 episodes. It's called How to Succeed. And it has over 2.7 million downloads and stuff. So um, that one has been really fun because I get to learn. So I think interviewing experts and, and learning from them is one of my favorite things. But the other thing with Playful Humans and interviewing fun people without really necessarily having any agenda, I try to let it be what it is. If I learn something great, if it's confirming something I already do, or if I just meet a cool person and hear their story, for me, it's about recording it live and having to be fully present in the moment that when we're all talking here, I'm not thinking about you know, my laundry and my to-do list and the number of alerts in my social media account or email box. Like I, I can really, now that I mentioned it, I am, but uh, before here <laughs> I was fully present and in the moment and, <laughs> and that makes me kind of be the best and, and fullest version of myself. Uh, I feel like I have to be on and I have to be present. What would you all say? What's the best part about doing a podcast? Meeting fun people. Yeah, that was going to be my answer. I love meeting fun people. Yeah. So, uh, Mike Montague, you almost fit the bill. I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> I know we we had such a good so shot. So close. At it. I'm just kidding. I'm until really you reminded her you. about her social media alerts and emails. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I'm super sad because this hour is flying by. What happens? It is. When Do you want to end fun? with the game? Yes, yes. Yes. All right. I'm going to put all uh, five of you to the test again here. Uh, survey says we surveyed 100 people. Top answers on the card so you can get the highest answer. Uh, name a place where you always try to squeeze in one more person. Elevator. Subway. Uh, yeah, I was going to say Uber. elevator. Uber. Oh, that's good. Car is the number one answer. I think LC got it. Number one, elevator was number two. Uh, bus, subway, number three, restaurant table, church pew, or concert. Uh, also oh, good answers. Yeah. You're playing the home game. Oh, All right, here's a hard one. Name a cooked food that's as good hot as it is cold. So what cooked food can you eat hot or cold? Oatmeal. Pizza. Um, yeah, I knew you were going to say that. That's a stupid answer. <laughs> Potatoes. Hmm. Unless they're French fries. French fries aren't good cold. How about coffee? Oh, Ooh, that's a good one. That's a, a beverage, though. Chicken, surprisingly, is the number one. We didn't get that. But, you know uh, what? Chicken. I love uh, cold pizza chicken. and pasta. Number two, potatoes. Number three, carrots, beans, and shrimp. I feel like shrimp should have been higher. Yeah. Uh, all right. Was this pizza not on the question. list? Uh, pizza and pasta was number two. Okay, good. <laughs> During That's a insane. power failure, name something you can still turn on. Your boyfriend. <laughs> Your husband. <laughs> uh, flashlight. Answers. That better be the number one answer. Um, <laughs> gosh, now I can't think of anything else. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I live somewhere where we have power outages all the time. You can turn on flashlights. You can yeah. turn on radios. You can turn on mango. Right, right <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, we'll just skip right to the answers. Flashlight is number one. Radio mm. was number two. Water, number three. Spouse, number four. And uh, the st stove or the oven was number five. Those people aren't fun at all. I know. <laughs> Spouse should have been much higher on that list. <laughs> well, thank you so, so much for playing along. That was super fun. Interestingly, here you can't turn on the water if you don't have power because you have to have a pump. So um, I have an that. electric stove, so I wouldn't be able to do that. Uh, I do have a gas stove. Well, according to 100 people, they, most of them do not have that problem. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Well, All right. Oh, go ahead, Mer. <laughs> I was just going to do the same thing you were going to do, I think. 
Mike, we want to ask you one final question. What gets you out of your comfort zone and excited to explore? I would say meeting new people is one of those things that uh, the more I do it, the more I tend to find cool people. And maybe I'm just one of those optimistic, playful people that brings that to the energy. Like you said, TC, about Google, that I'm I'm putting, you know, playful humans out into the world. And that's what it is bringing back to me. But it always seems to restore my confidence in humanity. That if I'm watching news or I'm only seeing social media or I'm only getting inputs from other things that are manufactured, I kind of forget that there are actual sane, rational human beings out in the world. And if I just go meet some of them, my, my life is generally better and uh, it gets me excited. Hmm. Awesome. Well, this week we want to leave a challenge to our listeners and that would be to tell a joke at work, maybe start a meeting with a joke to get everyone loosened up. If you work with your husband, Elsie, your challenge is to tell a joke to a stranger. And uh, I know. (laughs) And don't forget to take the playful humans, uh, the playful, the play type quiz. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Do you want to tell our listeners where they can find you? I made it really tough. It's Uh, (laughs) playfulhumans.com. It's slash quiz if you want to find the quiz or you can search playful humans on the podcast anywhere you're listening, watching this uh, search for playful humans. You'll find it there and reach out to me if you have any questions or uh, need a friend or just want to reconnect and rediscover the power of play with uh, other cool people. Thanks for having me on. Thanks. Thank you. Sirens, thank you so much for playing tonight. And thank you, fellow explorers, for listening to this episode. Check out our Facebook page. You just search for Siren Soapbox. That's where you'll find information about our movie club, Getting Real. Uh, We're still accepting votes for the January meeting, and we really hope that we'll see you there. And until next time, dive in, stay curious, and be happy. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Siren Soapbox. And a special thank you to C-Strings for providing our music. Snag their latest EP from iTunes today. Follow the Sirens on all the social medias, and don't forget to tell your friends about us. Like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll catch you next time on another episode of Siren Soapbox.